Welcome to the Rooted in Change podcast. Hey everyone, my name is Jan and you're listening to the Rooted in Change podcast. This show features European clean tech champions and their solutions on how to tackle the climate crisis. Today's guest is Andres, the CEO of Roofit Solar. Coming from the unicorn country Estonia, Roofit offers an integrated solar roof combining design with highly efficient solar technology. Welcome, Andres. Thank you, Jan, for, for having me. Well, it's a pleasure. Why don't we start with your background? Tell our listeners a bit where you're coming from. What's your background? Why did you join Roofit? Yes, so my bank background is very easy. It's banking and it's energy. Mm -hmm. I right. started as a banker and uh, I have to say I got bored very quickly. It was really, really boring. And then I, I, I jumped uh, jumped over to, to, to energy and uh, 10 years, roughly 10 years before I, I, I joined or co-founded Roofit, um, I had a super interesting job actually. I was working outside of Estonia I was developing large utility-scale power stations and oil production. And somewhere in 2013 or 14, I started to realize that this is actually wrong, what we are doing. The fossil energy, it's not where the world is heading and uh, what the world needs. And then um, I finished still the project. We made one Arabic country energy independent or more independent than they were before. We closed this massive project. It was 2.3 billion US dollar project. Right. Then I quit. I did quit the company. I didn't do nothing for three or four months. And then by accident or by coincidence, or was it a sign, I found the original founder of, of Roofit. He had the first prototype ready sitting in a garage and didn't manage to do the fundraising for the company. And then I joined Roofit. And since then, we have had a really interesting ride. Right. So you probably could contribute with your experience from the banking and the energy industry to actually get that funding back then. Yeah, absolutely. Because I, I just went through the massive fundraising campaign and actually mm -hmm. a big uh, project development effort as well with many international partners. So exactly, I, I could now use it uh, for for bringing uh, Rufit to the to the school. for the good side, yeah. And I mean, you, you now just mentioned your the original founder who had the idea. So maybe you can share a bit about where that original idea for um, Rufit was coming from, where it was born. Because when you traditionally think about solar energy, you often think about well, the no normal solar panels that you see, I guess, on the majority of roofs. Mm -hmm. It came from the from the same reason why many good and actually quite simple ideas are born from own need. So it was Andre, the original founder, uh, the solar scientist actually, who founded the company as well as myself. I was looking for solar panel panels, and I didn't want to see my house as a future, futuristic spaceship that having some panels on the roof and shiny and really like a satellite. I didn't want to see that on my roof. And um, and uh, there was nothing available on the market which could be used. So I was looking for something like this. And uh, Andre has just finished the first prototype, which exactly matched what I was looking for. And it was like, for me, it was love from the first sight. When I saw the module, I, I knew this is what I want to do. 
and this is where where we started and obviously it seems there are many people like us suddenly <laughs> who are interested in uh, really maintaining the architecture of the building uh, building right, and i guess that brings sort of as to the question of what's unique about you and where your solution is superior to well the normal solar panels that you would see on houses i guess is it the combination of design and performance because i guess people don't want to have less performance on their solar installations so sort of keeping that same output but not uh, impacting what you said the architecture of the house the look of the house yeah, of course. This, if uh, if uh, you would get a much lower um, kind of efficiency or output, then uh, many people wouldn't uh, would probably uh, choose to take this building integrated PV. Uh, but in our case, actually, it depends really on the complexity of the roof. In some cases, we get more output. In some cases, we get a little bit uh, less output than traditional solar panels. But the real uniqueness is really that uh, it is a real roof. It, it's not a solar panel which is used as a roof, but our uh, module is actually a, a roof which generates electricity. So it's it's done on the metal, on the metal roof, and metal roof is seen as a very reliable and durable and long-lasting roofing material, weatherproof. And uh, we have taken this as a design basis and built a PV layer on top of that material. And for some reason, nobody else has been doing it exactly like this. Uh, right. So that's, that, that's what already makes it, uh, makes it unique. And the second, uh, second side as well, that our modules or our solar roof is installed by the roofer not uh, by the regular PV installer. So we are actually bringing the solar industry into the well-established roofing market. Right, yeah, super, super interesting to understand that. And you just said that um, that the original solution really met your needs, but now also, uh, well, the needs of a lot of people around Europe. And I think I, I read that you're now active in more than 10 countries across Europe. So maybe tell us a bit about that and how the how your growth has been over the last years since the inception. Actually, I just counted. Uh, we have our roofs now already in 18 different wow. countries. Okay. And, um, and we have received uh, client inquiries from more than 80 countries. So it's not something uh, what only people in, in Estonia or in Scandinavia like, but apparently this type of roofing and kind of two-in-one solar roof uh, attracts attention also globally. And um, uh, I was last week just in the, in the US, in North America, where we actually we don't do anything there. But uh, suddenly we get most of our leads are coming in from US. Right. <laughs> and, and that's quite interesting, but uh, but we operate as our with our own offices currently in Estonia, Sweden, and Germany, where we offer really the services to the end customer, turnkey solar roof solutions. And um, in other countries, uh, roughly fifteen, I would say we have B two B sales via the distribution network. And uh, I, I have to say we are we cannot do more at the moment. It's we are at our capacity. 
kind of yeah i was gonna ask how uh, the last year specifically was for you because i imagine um uh, sort of from from my own experience um uh, somehow electricity and especially energy production became the talk of town last year not surprisingly after uh, russia attacked ukraine and then sort of that topic of energy efficiency energy production that um, we've been advocating for so long became mainstream which i really appreciated in having those discussions but it was interesting whenever i got together with friends sort of the the discussion was always i'm thinking about um, putting up solar panels on my roof or you know i'm sw thinking of switching to evs and you know there were all those stories of companies being really at their peak production peak supply that they could deliver just because everyone was trying to do something about the high electricity prices trying to be more energy independent so um, i assume that was very a very similar experience for you that last year was really crazy yeah absolutely uh, looking at the st statistics a little bit uh, last year almost 300 gigawatt of new solar uh, was installed and uh, this is within one one year and uh, just to give you a little uh, comparison if you take the tot total nuclear installed capacity all the nuclear power stations around the world this is 380 so solar almost made the same amount of uh, of all kind of installed capacity as the full nuclear capacity so and still the experts are telling that this is just the beginning of solar it is expected that in uh, 2026 or 2027 we will reach 1000 gigawatts which is one terawatt of solar installation so uh, in that sense we are still at, uh, at doing the kind of child steps uh, in what what the potential is but um, uh, obviously last year helped because the high energy prices and uh, and uh, yes the conflict which is happening now in europe this uh, this is this is a very sad story but this has pushed energy transition to a new new level and new speed this mm. this is the only good thing i think about this conflict yeah and i guess at the same time sort of governments across europe and the, the globe have really started to push that a lot more um coming originally from germany you know there's a quite ambitious plan i would say to really boost renewable production uh, over the next years well until 2030 i think is the next big goal and looking at where we're now and where we need to be within less than seven years now um that really a lot has to happen and i think it's quite exciting to see that we can use those areas for electricity production that normally are well otherwise are unused right as you said before the roof oh. is there it's a structure that you can use and if you can integrate that and plus i think it's, I don't, if maybe you can share something about that i guess it's helpful for people to change their roofs anyway if they live in an older building that might not be as energy efficient so is there a double combination of increasing that energy efficiency by putting up a new roof and then producing um their own electricity is that something that is sort of on the radar Yes, um, yes, absolutely. It is correct that uh, different countries and actually also on the uh, European Union level, the, there is the proposal from the European Commission that uh, 
all the new buildings and all the renovation projects, uh, starting from 2029, the solar will be mandatory. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you don't get the construction permit. Yeah. And uh, but, but even though it's only applicable from 2029, according to the Repower EU initiative, then uh, actually in many countries and in Germany, different regions uh, require it already today. And uh, and uh, uh, even in some places, uh, the requirement is not there yet. But what we also have seen that. The, if somebody renovates or builds a new building, and if they don't put solar panels on, but all their neighbors have solar panels on, then uh, they they feel bad about it. And uh, only because of that, they already, because the neighbors have, they also need to put solar, because otherwise I, I have, I'm taken as a non-environmental friendly person. And it's an interesting, interesting uh, combination. But um, speaking about, speaking about uh, one quite unique application for our modules is uh, historical buildings because in uh, being it in germany or sweden or in estonia there are many buildings which are kind of under some protection heritage protection uh, old buildings regular solar panels are not allowed or permitted and for example in estonia we have now Several examples, for example, one of the university buildings, we have the National Library, uh, which otherwise couldn't install solar, but uh, with our modules, because it really looks like this historical roof, they suddenly have access to the, to the solar power. And, um, and that's uh, quite unique uh, uh, with our solar roof at the moment. Super exciting to hear that, that you can sort of integrate a, a new technology, such a green, sustainable approach into a very historical building and do good by that. Um, I think it's a really smart approach. Yeah, it's kind of, we, we, we kind of didn't think about it when we started, but suddenly we see that, yes, these uh, buildings otherwise really don't have a good uh, solution. And, um, <laughs> And I guess they're often those landmark buildings, right? That inspire others when you have that old church in town or sort of, um, as you said, the library is a public building. It sort of has that multiplier effect of, right, if they do it, it you know, it's a public building, it must be good. It ensures that trust. So um, I, as a private uh, citizen, can do that as well. Trust that it's the right approach. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because those publics, uh, buildings are really visible and, mm. uh, and uh, we can send the, the potential customers over there to, to, to look at it if they see it there then they are convinced right yeah i just wanted to pick up on something else you said before um of sort of how peer pressure almost works in a positive way to say look if my neighbor now has a solar roof i also need one to see that uh, i'm an environmental conscious person and contribute to the sustainable transition. I think what I really like about the technology and the approach is that it's not just about the green hippies anymore, but that sustainability and the sustainability transition has really become mainstream. Uh, I see that with my neighbor. They were the first ones here on the street having uh, regular traditional solar panels on the roof. And last year, everyone was talking to him and he was telling us, you know, I'm not paying anything for my electricity seven eight months a year 
mm-hmm. and only really in the dark and cold month where yeah, well it's first and foremost not sunny and then you need to heat and since heating in sweden is uh, mostly powered by electricity this is where the cars come from but obviously in the summer sweden also experienced quite high electricity prices. you said you know i'm i'm having an electricity bill of zero this year it doesn't really affect me and i think that's quite interesting to see how that discourse is not just about i want to do good to good for the environment but it's also really a a business decision almost to look at it as an investment and how fast it pays off and obviously with the rising electricity prices uh, those calculations have been more and more beneficial yeah yeah absolutely and uh, that is actually the the core why this uh, building integrated solar suddenly has a chance actually to, to grow as well because if it's purely on the design but not uh, kind of commercially viable at all then it will be very difficult because still all the all the customers are asking what's the payback time and does it make sense and uh, yes it does hmm. and i think this is really where sustainability is at its best when you can answer all those questions of or tick all those boxes of yes it's good for the environment and yes it will save you money in the foreseeable future uh, and it's an investment sort of into the future both of the planet and your wallet i think this is where sustainability as is at yeah. its best yeah sometimes uh, our customers are asking about uh, payback time uh, for for the roof and does it make sense and then uh, we always ask back that what is the payback time of a regular roof you can you can wait 100 years it never pays pays you back but uh, our roof actually pays back the PV part that pays back the full roof actually several times over its mm-hmm. lifetime. So it is a reasonable decision to do now. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a very good comparison to say, look, uh, your normal roof doesn't pay you anything. You should probably invest into something that does. Yeah. Absolutely. And speaking, I mean, we've we've sort of um, made our inroads into the business and money section of our chat. Um, you just announced that you raised more money, I think six point four 6.5 million euros um, yeah. so con- first and foremost congratulations on closing that round um what are you going to use that money for what what is the plan yeah it was ex- exactly 6.45 we announced so in the middle <laughs> yeah we we announced it uh, uh last week and basically there are three main areas where we where we need the funding of course the first one is to increase is our production capacity which is uh, we have a factory here in Estonia we have been utilizing it but we need to to, to push the capacity higher now otherwise uh, otherwise we, we cannot su- supply enough and uh, we need it for growing actually as well mm-hmm. and uh, so we can grow the sales as well otherwise we couldn't secondly we have the product ready yes but we still continue on the product development so we have uh, new products coming out which uh, we call clickable solar roof which makes it actually even more easy to install as the current modules what's the key difference so if it's clickable i assume it's easier to install but where's the difference to the current solution Mm, the current solution is it, it really, in order to install it, you need uh, this uh, roofer skills. Mm, right. Um, yes, and uh, you need some specific tools, etc. But the new, the, this clickable module is actually where you basically you need only a screwdriver, and and you can install it. It's just you screw one uh, module on the roof, and the next one will 
click on, on the previous one and it's very easy to install. And um, also the regular uh, metal roofing material is, is going into that direction. So right. we are just keeping, uh, keeping the same uh, kind of development uh, as the regular roofing industry is doing. Is that also a response to the difficulties with installation capacity overall? Because that's obviously one um, sort of concern that the industry, whether it's heat pumps or PVs, PV installations have, that installation capacity is just not there enough to sort of say, well, let's make it easier, faster to install this. We need um, less people to sort of install the same capacity. Uh, yeah, you are correct because um, uh, the really skilled roofers, there are not so many. And uh, the younger generation is not very keen to, to learn this sort of skills nowadays. And that's why the regular roofing industry is moving into these more easy to install solutions as well. And, um, and but I have to say that um, in the regular PV installation industry, looking how the market is growing, I don't really understand where the installers are coming from. Mm. Uh, there will be a huge lack of the installers. And in our case, we are going to, to the market through the roofers. So I think the roofers so are competing. Still more available. So there's still more roofers available, but we need to educate them about the solar. And this is our challenge, actually, to, yeah. to train a new skill to the roofers. Yeah. I guess what you've seen, which I find quite interesting, is that a lot of tech companies start their own Uh, training academies so the big solar players to say look we need to educate our our installers and maybe even start our own uh, courses and programs to have that installation capacity ready to meet the growing demand but um, i think it's quite smart of you to say look we're going through the the roof is skill those people up and actually don't compete on installation capacity it's probably um, a very good move Yes, actually, we also have something what we call Roofit Academy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we have our academy as well. And uh, we also have developed a very dedicated uh, piece of software for the roofers that, that they could, uh, that it would be very easy for them to, to design this type of roofs and they right. can get uh, everything from that software in, down to the bill of materials and installation drawings and feasibility calculation for the customers. So just to make it easy to learn uh, for, for this industry. Good. Okay, so you said um, the funding round installation capacity, production capacity, and then, um, well, bringing yeah, new, new products to the market, and then the third. Yes. And uh, we, we also hope that we can uh, get that we can reach break even uh, with this one, which which is not, not a goal on its own, really, because uh, we, we, we need to invest into growth as well. But at least uh, having this visibility that we could be a self-sustainable company as well, and not only depending on the, on the investors, this is also important. And uh, this is what we are aiming as well. I think it's an, you know it's always that um, stage that you're probably in right now of, of a scale up to look do we need to invest further into growth or are we um, do we generate enough cash to sustain ourselves and how much do we want to grow slash can we grow still um, so yeah really exciting to hear that and I assume with all that you've said that you're eyeing to expand into further markets as well you said before that you have three 
or that you're present uh, with offices, three markets and have um, networks in 15 more, but then probably more oh. countries will join that list soon. Uh, that is true. And uh, we are mostly at the moment, uh, as I told, we cannot be everywhere, mm. uh, but where we see strong traction, uh, there we try to be. And North America is uh, one of such locations where where I think there is a big potential, but uh, it's also quite a large piece of uh, piece of uh, effort actually to, to 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 go to those markets. So we have to be well well prepared, and this preparation is happening with this funding round as well. Yeah, super exciting. I think it's also then quite interesting to see a lot of European tech companies make that move to go from sort of the European core market, which. I think from the outside, maybe from from an American perspective, always looks so concise because you know it's Europe. But then within Europe, you have so many different countries, different regulations that you need to comply with, um, languages, all of that. You know how markets operate, and then the North American market um, has very different challenges. But obviously, it's a very large market, a very exciting one. I think it's quite cool to see that this time it's not. US companies coming to Europe and deploying their their tech and their um, approaches as we might have seen sort of the first wave of tech if you look at the likes of Facebook, Google and so on but this time it's actually the clean companies coming out of Europe coming out of an engineering technology background going to the US as well and um, I find that quite quite interesting and really uh, I'm, I'm really supportive of that development. Mm. And you and uh, US, why US? There is another reason as well, obviously. And the reason is called Tesla, uh, because mm. Tesla is also actually selling solar roofs, also very nice looking solar roofs. And uh, they are doing a big effort actually for us. It's educating the market. Right. And this is, uh, this is probably the main reason why we are getting uh, a lot of leads from US, because people hear about the okay, so there is such sort of a product like a solar roof available, they start Googling and then they suddenly reach reach us. And this is one of the biggest efforts here in Europe that when we go into a market, we need to start mm. educating the market that this right. kind of product category exists. People don't know and they can, mm. if they don't know, they don't know to, to search for it. Yeah, those category finding exercises from a communications perspective are obviously the hardest ones when you sort of need to push really hard to first and foremost educate people that you exist and that your product is a, a whole new thing that they don't know about just yet. Um, obviously, then in the US, it's a bit easier. But then on this, at the same time, I imagine competing against Tesla is not an easy undertaking. No, but um, I think there is... There is room actually for quite a many uh, PIPV uh, companies. It, it, it won't be one or two or three or five, there will be many. And at the moment, if somebody is asking about the competition, I don't see PIPV competition at all. Right. The market is untapped. PIPV from the total PV market is maybe less than 1%. And uh, so we, I think we both fit into it. Right, yeah, there's enough room for uh, yes. you and, and yes. Tesla. Yeah. All right, and um, before we move on sort of to the towards the end of our chat, so if, you know, if someone is inspired now to say, oh, I, re I really like this approach of keeping the architectural structure of my building 
not having solar panels uh, that sort of come come on top of my roof how would they go about that what would you recommend um to do for a homeowner or someone who's interested in getting a solar roof yeah basically um i will advise to 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 do a little bit of google search go to our web page of course we cannot be um, everywhere as i have told several times already and sad to say but most of the time we have to tell to the customers that sorry I'm not ready yet for for, for you right but um, but there are also other pipv uh, solutions available on the market but um, maybe maybe you find or the customer finds something which is available locally but then i really would advise to to make sure that it is really a roof and not just a solar panel, which looks like a roof. Uh, because the roof is a cover to protect the house for the rain, for the wind, and it has to be strong, weatherproof and long lasting. So in that sense, uh, I will just advise to, to, to understand what this solar roof actually means. And is it uh, really a roof as such? Um, and, uh, and uh, if it is, then I would just, if, if uh, the design is ni nice and uh, if you like it, just go for it. Yeah I, think, it yeah, I think that's a really good advice to, um, you know, look at offers, but then just really make that decision. Mm -hmm. uh, I have one neighbor who's been considering changing his roof for quite some time and uh, hasn't made that final decision just yet and i guess that's sort of the time that passes by that could have been invested really into a new roof that generates money for you yeah and it starts generating from the day one basically so yeah yeah, yeah. makes sense to, to make this decision yeah right let's move um more into to personal territory you said in the beginning you know you started your career in, in banking and realized that the uh, traditional energy project was really doing more harm than good so i was wondering sort of reflecting on, on that experience now being the ceo of a fast-growing company what is it that keeps you going every day what what gets you up in the morning to keep doing this and to keep pushing for uh, that transition yeah i think it is a uh, very simple actually it's um it's our purpose why we do it and uh we have worded our purpose as well, actually, and uh, uh, it's uh, we are working for a cooler planet. And the cool word "cool" means actually two things, as you can understand. That we really think our roofs are cool; they look good, and uh, and they do good for the environment, even if the effect is not that big. But uh, if we grow, the impact will be always bigger. So. Uh, and uh, secondly, our customers, uh, because really, if you see the customers, if uh, if they receive the roof, if they see it really operating, that it really works, then we get such a good feedback from the customers that this is also a good thing. And in such cases, we sometimes it's good that we forget how hard it actually is to build a new startup company. This uh, this good feedback and having the feeling that you actually do the right thing, this makes it all worthwhile. 
Mm. Yeah, and I guess, especially in, in our sector, it's not that often that you get to see products being used by, by end customers and sort of live, you know, normally it's very technical applications and there's a factory somewhere and then you install an energy efficient uh, solution and sort of it's, you know, it's, it's a one-off thing, but not it's not widely open, widely available to the public with your roofs. They're just everywhere. And I guess that's a really cool thing to see. Everyday people talk about that and share their feedback and being excited about it and you know, talking to their neighbors, their friends, their family. And I think it's quite unique for a clean tech company, obviously super, super exciting. Yes, and then the customers are so happy and they like to show off. Then they invite the friends and show, can yeah. you see the solar? No, no, I can't. Yeah, <laughs> right. And, uh, and that's how we get uh, then uh, new customers coming in. It's kind of this word of mouth, which is happening. Mm. Mm, great. And uh, one other thing that I was interested in, you mentioned that you were in the US recently. Is there, I mean, from what I always hear is that it's very different startup and or sort of business environments, you know, how they operate. Was there anything from that trip that inspired you or that you can share as a learning that uh, you take with you to uh, back home? Yeah, I think when, uh, when uh, one goes to US and actually what inspires me all, always is to think bigger. Um, okay, we, we are coming from Estonia. There are there are not so many people here, and and we think we are thinking quite big already. But if you go to even to Germany or especially US, then uh, we really understand that we need to think much bigger, multiply it by ten or hundred, <laughs> then 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 uh, you know what the scale should be. And that's why I'm actually going out from time to time to to get this inspiration and the reality that try to think even bigger uh, because only if if, 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 if if you grow big, it has an impact, real impact. Yeah. I think that brings us back to the what we were discussing before around, you know, do we want to be profitable just now or do we need to invest into further growth to have that impact and to do more to, um, mm-hmm. well, invest more into making this planet cooler, as you probably would say. Yeah, 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 uh, absolutely. But at the same time, uh, being o- always dependent on uh, on the investor money is sometimes so, so hard because having survived also several near-death experiences here, it's something you don't want to experience anymore. And yeah. uh, that's why it's a, it's a good kind of target internally to that we, we could survive without the investor money as well. But of course, all our plans into the future, they foresee uh, additional fundraising due to grow yeah. yeah, I guess it's to have that balance and also to have that option open. I, I guess that's always helpful to have, you know, to not just be fully dependent on option A, but to have different scenarios and whatever you think at that t- point in time is right to really, to really go for that. Absolutely, that's correct. All right, um, I would, close us off with my final question um so if you could name one clean tech ceo or leader in our industry that sort of inspires you or that is an example that you would recommend who would that be who would that person or company potentially be hmm. i'm not uh, sure i'm very original here now really <laughs> but uh, 
it, it definitely is the company called Tesla for us. Mm. And it's 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 not only about that they make really really cool electric cars, but it's but it's just how they have been able to start from the scratch a hardware-based company in and scaled it up to this level where they are already now, where they where, where they are now, and uh, this just shows that it's possible. Because sometimes uh, when we see that also we, we have a factory, we need to expand the production, it's hard stuff to do. And, uh, but then if we see that somebody can do it in a, in, in a kind of 100 times faster even than we do, this gives us actually this additional boost or motivation and understanding that actually it can be done. And, uh, and secondly, also Tesla is doing also solar roofs. So, right. so. This is also the other reason why 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 I named Tesla as this company. I guess for me, it's uh, you know, with my German background, for me, it's really this category finding moment that we also discussed before. Around when you, you know, I, I think I drove my first EV in 2012. It was a test drive, and it was a horrible experience. It was a very teeny tiny car that was then used for, I think, pizza deliveries. I can't remember the name, but it didn't even have glass windows. It was really you know the first more or less prototype and we you look how much has happened within the within this decade mm-hmm. and how tesla has really pushed the whole industry to take evs seriously and you know if, if you're saying um, the same might be then for the roofing industry with solar roofs i think this is really the impact that um, the company has had for me yes and um uh, and also do it, it puts kind of the opportunity or, or into perspective, for example, if Tesla can build a gigafactory in Shanghai or also put, uh, in Berlin, uh, with nine months that the building is ready, equipment is in there, yeah. and with 12 months it, it's uh, basically uh, ramped up and uh, producing. So then, um, then this shows how, how quickly it actually can be done and uh, we can kind of... Uh, We'll put it ourselves also to to, to understanding how quickly we should do our factory or next factory as well. It should be done much faster than what we thought. Yeah, I think that's a really good learning as well too. Um, to look at those projects that normally take years and years in the making, and we all say we don't have the time, um, because of uh, the global warming and the climate crisis. Well, and let's ensure that we act faster and really have that impact faster, the factory up and running faster. This was a really inspirational and lovely talk. Thank you so much for making the time, Andre. It was my pleasure. And um, and I hope it really could inspire somebody to, to, to do things. Because sometimes it's really the doing the first step is the most challenging, but it has been worth of doing. What a way to end us. Thank you so much. Thank you, Yanni.